Y'all can, kids, y'all can come on down. Little Maggie has already reminded me now, so if you need to partake of the Lord's Supper tonight, we're not able to do so this morning. If you'll go to the little chapel, uh, you'll be served at this time. Turn around. Turn around. I'm going to wait until everybody calms down a little bit. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm just going to ask everybody to join in with the books of the Bible tonight with me, okay? Ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Peter said to them, to them, to them. 
faithful. Revelation 2 to you. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful unto death. And God, and God will give you time of life. Shorter version. Ready?
God's ideal for marriage? God made you, what does that mean? I'm special. Yes, you are. And tomorrow, all day long, all this week, what are you going to do? I will do my best. And we will always remember that. God is always right. God is always wrong. Never was too long. Never was too right. Never was too long. One, two, three. All right, that is all for our kids sing. Uh, before we go to our classes, we first of all want to welcome everyone who is here tonight. We're so thankful that you've come our way, and we do have guests with us tonight. It's always an honor uh, to welcome folks to our assembly who normally don't attend, but we are indeed grateful for you, and uh, hopefully you'll let us uh, express that to you before you leave. A couple of announcements. It's such a beautiful day to mention spring, isn't it? So we spring forward on Saturday night. We lose an hour of sleep, but we gain an hour of daylight. So uh, let's be ready to do that on Saturday night. As far as other announcements, uh, you're encouraged to attend the Chili and uh, Soup Fellowship tonight in the Annex following our classes. Uh, this is, of course, is an effort to raise money for our Christian Education Scholarship. Also, we are collecting items for the Boonville Middle School Food Pantry. Uh, for the month of March, and there are two collection boxes uh, in the foyer and by the office door with a list of items needed. Uh, speaking of food pantry, uh, we will be opening our food pantry and closed closet to the community uh, this coming Thursday from 9 a.m. till 10.30. Got an excellent group that uh, works in those efforts, and we always can use more help, and if that's something that interests you, we would encourage you to come on Thursday and uh, check it out and see what's going on. And of course, the uh, food pantry item for the month is uh, luncheon meat, it says. All right, uh, that's all the announcements that I have tonight. And uh, let's uh, be dismissed in prayer. And after the prayer, we'll have a song so our teachers can go to class. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for everything you do for us. We are mindful, especially on a beautiful day like today, just how much you bless us and how much you love us and, and richly care for us with physical and material things. But, Father, we're mostly thankful for those spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. And, Father, there's so many that we know that are sick, that need our prayer and encouragement, and we pray that you be with each of those. We also pray that you would be with those who've lost loved ones, Father. Please continue to bless them. Be with us in our Bible study tonight. In Christ's name, amen.
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz is undergoing a long series of chemo treatments. Wilda Gardner, she's still trying to recover from her eye surgery. It's, it's not, not doing as well as the first round, and she's going to be seeing her doctor this week, so maybe she can get a definitive answer about what's going on. Don and Brenda Dawson are both not well. Uh, Wade Davis is still missing since June the 22nd. So please remember that family and especially Sue. Carolyn Wilcutt is recovering. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Kelby Smith has Parkinson's. And, you know, he, he is vulnerable to a lot of things that come along, viruses and such. Cody McGee still recovering from his foot surgery. Uh, Chopper is still suffering. Um, I ask him, how's he doing? Maybe a little better, but still no answers as to what's causing the problem. Larry Kennedy uh, has lymphoma, some organ problems. Uh, they were going to be looking at his medication. Danny Romdahl has kidney failure. Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Paul Rollison has brain cancer. Lett Crossan has health issues. Norma Hemwell is not well. Marty Woodruff has cancer, and his wife, Donna Woodruff, has breast cancer. Eli Johnson's undergoing a long series of treatments. Ethan Kendrick's friend, Justin Mooney, has throat cancer. James Goddard has cancer. Micah McBrayer has cancer. John Roten's having some health problems. He was having a pretty good day today. Peggy was with us. There's Peggy again. Look at you, Peggy. You want me to take you off of here? Watch this. Let's take you right off. But I'm going to, when I get there, though, I'm going to thank him for your recovery. Okay. 
Um, Jackie Lambert, this is Dale's sister. She's uh, received some abnormal results following some pathology testing. She's supposed to get uh, more definitive answers this week from a doctor's visit. So we'll let you know when we find out something. Ann Langford is Lisa Peake's friend. She has leg pain due to arthritis. Emma Hutton has cancer. Paula Nichols has cancer. Sharon Strickland has cancer. Grayson Miller has cancer. Jackie Perigo has some back problems. Olivia Pounders is dealing with some seizures, very young. Scott Ennis, that's Laurie Smith's cousin, has leukemia. Tori Cobbs recovering from his accident at work. Uh, Lisa Allen's brother-in-law, Paul Goldman, has cancer and uh, saw, actually saw his daughter last night. And she said he's going to the doctor, I think this week, to try and find out what the other uh, masses on, on his lungs are. Pat Moore is a member at Liberty. She has breast cancer. Uh, Anita's cousin, Trudy, is undergoing some tests. Uh, the Taylors have grandson, Baylor. He's going to see a rheumatologist this week. Avery, my little granddaughter's getting tubes, tubes in her ears. Teresa Burcham has cancer. Laura Galloway's pregnant. Did you know? Well, we're remembering her from now until delivery. Uh, Loxley Eaton, six years old, had a brain tumor removed. Madison Godsey gave birth. Okay, is it Nina or Nina? Nina, Joni. Jo I've heard of Joan before, something like that. Um, so they're going to call her Nina Joe. Okay. Uh, remember them in your prayers. Sonia McWright is a co-worker of Anita. She's in the hospital. Carol Warner. Uh, any? Oh, okay. Hey, you need a microphone for reading. Did you get one? Yeah, well, what do y'all think? Yeah, it's for the people online. Okay, uh, Emsley Murphy has a cyst next to the brain. Went to Le Bonner March the 3rd, so that was uh, this past week, and I haven't heard any more about that. Actually, it was not a cyst. It was a tumor. Uh, they're going to do more tests. They're supposed to get a call tomorrow morning to begin with new tests. Uh, there, there's going to be some surgery involved and continue to pray. Okay. Denise Martin's mother fell, um, broke her back. She had surgery for that. Barbara Beard suffering back pain. Allison Wade Perigo is recovering from lung transplant surgery. Linda Garrett is here today. Linda, look at you. Okay, uh, she had um, her procedure at Vanderbilt. She's continuing with some treatment, so we're going to continue praying for her. I think I got too close to y'all. You don't want me too close. Mike and Brenda Hinton had a son to die suddenly. 
Uh, Brenda also has early stage Alzheimer's. Uh, Luke Stovall is a newborn baby. Um, son of Anthony Acock's co-worker had heart surgery. Martha Alls, uh, we mentioned that she had suffered a brain aneurysm. She has passed away. Ben Roberts is experiencing back pain. Lynn Barragona is recovering from her shoulder replacement surgery. Merle Crowe's recovering from carpal tunnel surgery, uh, the other hand, the left hand. Jimmy Gross, that's Bo's dad, he has double pneumonia. Charles Bonham's daughter, Jennifer, she has a lot of eye problems. She recently went to the doctor and got a relatively good report, so we're thankful for that. Uh, Kathy Huff is Joanne Roberts' niece. She passed away this week. And as was mentioned this morning, Pat Gray has pneumonia. Anybody else? Uh, I talked to Betty Gordy yesterday, and she's home safe for her running by Who? Betty Gordy. Oh, D. Okay, Jody? I have two. The first one is Leslie Long. She's a member at Foot Street. She's 30 weeks pregnant and having some complications with the pregnancy. She's a former player of mine. Okay. And then also Barbara Foster. She's a member of the church in Pontotoc and she's our, our Bus driver's sister-in-law, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. It's, it's Barbara Foster. sister goes to school with us so um, she's a new baby that just had heart surgery this past week okay Diane and then we'll cut it off because we This list is so full of cancer. Just breaks my heart. Okay, but we're going to do the best thing we know what to do. We're going to go to the Creator and ask for His mercy on them. Okay? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for this time that we can come back together, assemble here to study your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help guide our minds and uh, open our understanding to the things you've revealed to us, especially as we think about our leadership here. We pray, Lord, that you will motivate, give courage to our men, that they will meet these qualifications and 
that we will find men that can lead us uh, into the future of the church here in Boonville. We pray, Lord, for these people that we love. Some are family members, others friends, and we're just praying, Lord, that you will have mercy on their circumstances and provide healing if it's your will. We pray for Irene Baker that she'll have good days and bless Melinda, her daughter. Bless Austin Wentz as he undergoes his treatments. We pray that Wilda will get a good news this week from her doctor or certainly maybe a plan to help restore her sight fully. We're just really hopeful that things will turn out better for her. We pray for Don and Brenda that their health would return. Bless Wade Davis family as they've miss, been missing him since June. We pray for Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery. Bless Bobby Petty and his battle with cancer. Bless Kelby Smith that he'll have good days. We pray for Cody McGee that he can recover fully from his foot surgery and be able to get back to work. Pray that Chopper Taylor will find permanent relief from his circumstances. Bless Larry Kennedy who has cancer. Pray for Danny Romdahl and his treatment for kidney problems. We pray for Van Roberts who has cancer. Paul Rollison who has cancer. Bless Lex Crossan who has some health issues. We pray for Norma that she will have good days and that her health could return to her. Bless Marty Woodruff who has cancer and his wife Donna who also has cancer. We pray for Eli Johnson and his treatments for cancer. Be with Ethan's friend, Justin, who has cancer. We pray for James Goddard, who has cancer that has spread. Please be with little Micah McBrayer, who's battling leukemia. We pray for John Roten, that his circumstances will get better. He'll have good days, and we're really thankful that Peggy's back with us, and we, we pray, Lord, that uh, her injuries will heal and uh, she'll be back to normal. We pray for Jackie Lambert who awaits news about her scans and we just pray the, the best results for her. Please be with Ann Langford that she can find relief from her pain. Be with Emma Hutton who has cancer. Paul Nichols who has cancer. Sharon Strickland who has cancer. Grayson Miller who has cancer. We pray for Jackie Perigo, who's dealing with back problems. Olivia Pounders, who has seizures. Please bless Scotty Ennis, who has leukemia. We pray for Tori Cobb, that he'll have a full recovery from his injuries. We pray for Lisa Allen's brother-in-law, that he can get news about his condition. We ask your blessings on Pat Moore, who has breast cancer. Be with Trudy, who's undergoing tests right now. Pray that Baylor will get good news from his doctor this week. Please bless Avery as she faces some surgery soon. Be with Teresa Bertram who has cancer. Pray your blessings on Laura Galloway and her baby that all will go well. Both will be healthy in, in the pregnancy. Pray for Loxley Eaton who's so very young and has had this brain tumor removed. And we pray that follow up to St. Jude's will be successful. We're rejoicing in Madison's safe delivery of her baby, Nina, and we just pray that she'll grow strong and we look forward to seeing her here sometime. Please be with Sonia McWright, who's recovering in the hospital.
be with Emsley Murphy, who has a tumor on the brain and now facing more doctor visits. We pray that uh, this thing can be excised. Bless Denise Martin's mother following her surgery. Be with Barbara Beard, who's suffering back problems. We pray for Allison Wade Perigo, who's had this transplant surgery. We rejoice that Linda's here today, and we pray a full recovery for her and a strength to undergo the treatments that she's facing. We pray for Mike and Brenda Hinton and their sorrow over the passing of their son, and we pray for Brenda's condition. Bless Luke Stovall, his newborn baby uh, that's had the heart surgery. We pray for the Alls family in Martha's passing. Bless Ben Roberts that he'll get better and stronger and be back with us soon. Be with Lynn Barragona as she recovers from her surgery. We pray for Merle Crow that he'll have a good recovery in both his hands and that he'll regain strength and uh, be able to function normally again. We pray for Bo's dad that he can recover from this pneumonia. We're thankful that Jennifer is doing better. We pray her eye problems can be resolved. Bless Kathy Huff, her family, as she has passed away, and especially our sister Joanne. We pray for Pat Gray that she will get stronger every day and uh, overcome the pneumonia. She's been sick for so many weeks now. Pray for Dee Worley, who's homesick, and we pray her full recovery and back to work soon. Be with Leslie Long and the pregnancy complications. We pray for Barbara Foster, who has breast cancer. We pray for Lucy Burns, a new baby that's facing heart surgery. We pray it's a success. And we pray for Mike Vance as he's undergoing his PET scans. And we pray that uh, the cancer that he knows about hasn't spread or become uh, more serious. We just pray that things can turn around and good treatments will follow. Uh, be with us, Lord, as we study together and help us to grow in our knowledge of your word and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're still hanging in there. All right, so we're studying leadership and we're in First Timothy chapter 3. We find out there that this is a faithful saying. Uh, a man who desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop, therefore, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well. For he who does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. Not a novice. Another way of putting that might be not a new Christian or not a new convert. Actually, I think it was the second lesson. We began this in November. The second lesson that I was out of town, Doug taught it. It was actually based on this, the whole thing. So you know a lot about a leader not being a novice. Yes? Just nod your head this way. Yeah, Ken, because this stuff is printing on our hearts. We know it inside and out. 
Another way of putting that is a person who's not newly planted. So you've been thinking about that one for all these many months. And I want to say this to begin with, that age is not a measure of maturity. Amen? Did that fit on there? Okay, it did. Just because you are old doesn't mean you're mature. Ever known anybody who had some age on them that acted? I'm seeing some heads bobbing. Yeah, so age is not necessarily a measure of the maturity of an individual. However, this is pretty important. Why is it, why... I'm just going to say, why is time? Because he's not a novice, so he's not new. So we're talking about time. Why is time important here? Now, you've been thinking about this for months. He's not a new Christian. You're going to be a leader in the local congregation as a bishop, overseer. Elder, which means an older, older man. We saw that, right, presbyter? Okay, so... What is it about time or time in the faith, I guess would be a way to put it, that is significant in a bishop as leader? Okay, wiser, tested, knowledge. You... You get that? And there may, might be some other things that pop in your head, but the longer you are in the faith, the more stable you are in the faith, right? Probably over time, you've wrestled with some things. Yes? Okay, so as you've wrestled with these things, probably you've come to some conclusions. Don't we hope that those who are our leaders know where they are going? Nod your head this way. Uh, if you're a leader and you don't know where you're going, you're not much leader, right? That's true. So not a novice, not one who is newly planted, not, not a new Christian. Again, this is not a popularity contest, right? I've heard this said before. Boy, I hope we can convert so-and-so because they would be a terrific elder. And I think maybe down the road, yes. But let's don't get the cart before the horse, right? We want somebody who is grounded in the faith. And in fact, we're going to see something here, hopefully tonight as we go along, that will establish that fact. Somebody who knows the truth and is able to defend it. Now, here's an interesting statement. He talks about, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. What's that all about? Well, I wanted to look at a couple of verses. Actually, three verses, maybe. Uh, one is Colossians chapter 4, and verse 5. Then we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 12. And then just for giggles, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 26. Because we're going to, as he's looking that up, give you a little background. We're going to be looking at what in the world could it mean 
to fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Uh, before he reads some of these texts, I want us to think about this idea, a good testimony, a person who has a good reputation around town. That would be a good way of putting it. Uh, let me set something up for you that I saw one time. This was actually on the mission field, which to me made it 10 times worse. But there was a missionary on the mission field who actually was a doctor. I mean, he had, he, he has had a MD degree, but he decided to become a missionary. So he traveled to this far off island country, an island country that basically is about 25 miles from one end to the other and is only like at the widest point at any given area might be a mile across. I mean, it's a long, very narrow island. So everybody lives kind of in a line and everybody's close. If you want to run away off of an island, where are you going to go? Especially, especially when you've only got basically 25 square miles, right? 25 and one mile deep, maybe less than that. Okay, so this guy comes on the field he wants to be a doctor there in this, wow, you know, I can be a vocational. I can preach the gospel. I can also be a doctor. So he goes to one of the local storefronts there and he says, I would like to rent the storefront. I want to run my doctor's office out of this. Uh, I want it, I don't know, six months to a year. They settled on a price. He moved his stuff in there. He got started and he decided, you know what? I don't like the location here. I'm just, eh, this is not a good deal, and these are just native people, and so I'm just going to forfeit this whole situation. I mean, I'm not going to pay, and what I'll do is I'll go down here, and I'll get this other place that's cheaper. I've kind of, I've kind of, you know, this will be good. Well, do you think that was good? No, it wasn't good. Not only, not only is it wrong to make a promise and not fulfill it? But what did that do with his reputation as a missionary for the Lord's church in this country? Oh, it, it, it blew it away. Now, here's the thing about a small country like this. You wronged Joe, but guess what? Joe is related to Bob over here that you tried to get the better deal with. And so what does Bob do? No, he's going to evict you. You're not getting it. I mean, he is standing up. So what, to make a long story short, what happened was, as he had signed up to work in this place as a missionary for five years, was cut incredibly short simply because he was not a man of character. He was not honest. And he, he created a reputation that ended up expelling him from the country. Okay, next missionary comes in. Hey, we want a, to rent a storefront for X purpose. Guess what? You're from where? Church of Christ. No. Not only did his reputation become ruined because of his choices, but now the entire reputation of the church, reproach has fallen on the church as a result of his actions. Is it important, say, for a leader in the church in our community, I don't know, to pay his bills? Hello? 
Hello? Hello? Is it important for him to pay his bills? Yeah, of course it is. Is it important for him to be a good neighbor? Is it important for him to build a positive, good relationship with as many people as he can, as much as is within his power to do so? Shouldn't he try to build bridges instead of burning them with the people in this community? Absolutely yes. Because what reputation he has as a leader of the church is going to reflect upon the church itself. Now, would you read a couple of these? Colossians 4 and verse 5 is the first text. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Okay, walk in wisdom with those who are on the outside. Oh, you'd walk in wisdom among your brethren, but what is he saying about your walk? This is everybody. You're going to, you're going to live as Jesus in your community. Yes, wouldn't you do that anyway? So why would you have to tell somebody to do that? Because it most likely was what? Not being done. What in the world? We're supposed to walk in such a way as we realize that their eyes are on us. Important? Yes. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 12. That you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. Okay, walk honestly among them. What does that tell you about the character that you need to have? You're a genuine, upfront, honest person. So in our dealings with other people, it is, it is very important, especially among our leaders, to be certain that we put the best face out there always. If that means that you maybe are going to be mistreated, mistreated once in a while, is it worth it for the sake of the church? Absolutely. If, if, if I have to take a little bit of grief from somebody in order to maintain the stellar reputation of the church and the community, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, now, what about this text here? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Okay, you see why I included this. That was kind of the follow-up or the addendum to the statement. The problem is that if you don't behave wholly, if you don't behave in such a way as to maintain a proper reputation, then not only is reproach coming your way, uh, people look at you in a negative light, uh, they talk badly about the church that you're part of, but secondarily to that, what has happened to you in your relationship with God? If you've become captive by Satan, what, what does that indicate has happened to you? You've been taken captive? You've fallen into the... If you fall... What is this? By the way, what is a snare? It's another word for a trap. You are caught in the trap. Okay, Satan... I don't know. Satan knows you. Satan knows the kind of things that irritate you and really tick you off. And so you think he's not going to try and take advantage of one of our leaders 
by putting them in a situation that's going to raise their ire or cause them to be agitated. I'm going to tell you absolutely he will. And why is he doing it? He is setting a, a trap. His intention is to catch you in the snare. And once caught, how easy is it to get out of that? No, no, he's never going to leave that alone. Never going to leave that alone. And once, here's the sad thing about it, once your reputation is ruined somewhere, you know, you can take 10 years building a good reputation. It takes about 10 seconds to ruin it. You remember the illustration I gave you about my two godly 80-year-old elders who sat out in the front parking lot on Main Street wanting to fist fight? That reputation was never restored. So we need to be very careful about the things we do. You say, well, that's great. That's, that's exactly how we want our leaders. But I'm not one of the elders. What is it that we started off saying from the very beginning? What are we all trying to do? We're all trying to live according to this ideal that's being established here. So be very careful to maintain your reputation. You're not, you're not just you know, trying to fool people. Make sure that what your reputation is reflects the integrity, the kind of person that you are at heart. Okay, now that's, that's the last thing that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 3 all the way through verse 8. But I mentioned to you that there is also another text that gives qualifications for elders. It's found in the book of Titus chapter 1. And it's just a short little section, verses 5 through 9. A lot of these are exactly the same. And I'm going to have uh, Rick read this for us. When you hear it, you're going to identify it as being the same. However, there are some components of it that are slightly different. So instead of going over all, that, all the ground that we've already covered, I'm just going to look at some of those things that are a little bit different or that expand some ideas from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, so now we're flipping in our Bibles over to Titus chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 5 through 9. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that I should have set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Okay, thank you very much. Now, a lot of that you already noticed is the same, or there are some subtle, subtle differences. I thought uh, we would just notice those differences, and there are actually nine of them in this short little text. So we're just going to break them down as they come. The first one is in verse 6. Uh, not at the top, but kind of uh, the secondary section there. He says that they're to have faithful children. Now, that's following just the simple statement that he is the husband of one wife. 
very much what was stated in 1 Timothy chapter 3. However, when we were looking at the house in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we find out that, you know, he's described as a ruler in that household and, uh, you know, he is, he's governing that. What does this text do? This text doesn't do any of that stuff. It just simply says that these children are faithful. He's having faithful children. Now, the word faithful right there is translated by a familiar word, pistis, or it's out of that root. And it means probably what you think it means. It means a person of faith. And I, I think I shared this with you last week that there might be somebody out there that thinks differently, but most scholars that I read, all of them have pretty well the consensus that he's not talking just simply about good children. He's talking about the children in this home that are Christians. They have obeyed the faith. They live in the faith. Now, he says that these, faith, these faithful, believing Christian children are not to be accused. Uh, the New King James says dissipation, accused of dissipation or insubordination. Dissipation is excess. Uh, in what things can you be excessive that would be sinful? Drunkenness, um, drug use, uh, practically everything. Uh, what you're going to find out is that when you're excessive or you lose control, practically in every category, you are falling headlong into sin. So these are children in this home who, who are Christians, but just Christian didn't qualify them, right? As they have begun their Christian walk, what are we looking for? We're looking for, absolutely, we're looking for growth. So they're not excessive, you know, they're not dissipation, they're not insubordinate. What does that mean? Disobedient or rebellious. Okay, I'll put this up here too, excess. Okay, so in this home... Again, we're looking for the kind of leadership that produces within that family individuals who are going to, I don't know, be a chip off the old block, right? What kind of guy was he? Isn't that it? Isn't that the idea? So the children are following in the same footsteps of their father, who is what he says, a steward of God. That's in verse 7. The first thing. What is a steward, by the way? Okay. Steward has responsibility for someone else's assets. Okay, absolutely. Uh, question. If you are a steward of God, what assets? Are you watching over that are his? Okay. Well, one would be, he just mentioned the children. Everything that you have, everything that is under your oversight, you, you are the responsible party. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. You probably recognize Matthew 25. That's kind of the, the judgment scene and, you know, I was hungry, you fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. That's the setting. But look what he says about those who have been given 
responsibility or had resources in their hands, what it is in the end that God's view of it was. Okay, go ahead and read that text. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou, shalt, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. Okay, just put a hook around few and many. If you're responsible over the little things, remember we talked about the microcosm, looking at uh, this man and his role over his family. You're responsible over that. What about the church? If he doesn't know how to rule his own family, how's he going to take care of the church, right? Wasn't that the question? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 gets basically the, the, to the definition of what a steward is. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful, faithful. What does faithfulness to your task mean? Or faithfulness to your role in watching over the things that God's put into your hands? Okay, what, yeah, whatever it is. And, you know, our Colossians 3 17, whatever you do in word or deed, what? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus or by his authority. So the things, what we're looking at is how, how does he handle these things? He's not doing it just for his own good, right? He's doing it for the good of the whole family. In the microcosm, we would, we would extrapolate that to the church, and we know more about how this guy Leads. What about Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13? Now, as he reads this, keep this one in mind. Few to many, few to many. Okay, go ahead and read that, please. And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer steward for there mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, and a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said he to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of the unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what man is which is another man's who shall give you that which is your own. No servant can serve two masters, for he would, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, so did you notice in this text, he, he talks about the, the whole thing, 
right? <coughs> Question, what is an unfaithful steward? What does that look like? Did he not describe that in the first? That's someone who has been given a responsibility. What did he do with it? Nothing. He's called to the carpet, so to speak. You're terrible. And so then in turn, he becomes the faithful steward by doing what? By handling his business, yes? He's like, man, I, I have been, I've been wasting my time. I've been wasting these resources. You know what? I'm just going to cut my losses and I'm going to get after it. Then finally, the master comes along and he says, man, you, wow, it's about time. You know, you've done, wow, you've done a great thing. And Jesus takes that and says, what this boils down to is what is most important to you. Who is it that you serve? Because no one can serve two masters. You, you can't serve the man and you can't serve in faithfulness to God. You cannot divide your loyalty. If I am a steward of God, then whose who's steward am I? I'm God's. That means that what I have and what is under my jurisdiction, what I'm watching over is committed to God. I have to put how much of myself, how much of my concern on that work? Everything, everything, 100%. That's what a steward requires. In fact, it is counted in stewards that one be faithful. Not self-willed. What does it mean to be self-willed? You ever heard that song... Elvis sang it. Old Blue Eyes sang it. I did it my way. Elders don't sing that song. Now you might sing it in private, like for fun. Uh, you might think that you know you're Elvis Presley. I don't know. But when it comes to the church, it's not my way. It's, it's God's way. It's the Lord's way. Remember what Peter said, that you, yeah, you are shepherds, but you answer to the, the chief shepherd. Uh, not, a, not a dictator. In fact, if you, you read 2nd uh, and 3rd John, you find a lot of indications of people who became power hungry in their role. Um, again, one of the emphasis that we have been making is that serving as a bishop, an elder, an overseer of the church is a role of Starts with an S. Service. A servant of the servants. Okay, time's up. Thank you for your attention tonight. Boy, we moved through a lot tonight. I'm so excited. Um, we'll just pick right up here. Um, next time we'll talk about being quick-tempered. Don't do that. Let's have a quick prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for a great day today. Thank you for this opportunity that we have here in a moment to uh, enjoy a meal together and think about education of our children. We just thank you for the blessings that this congregation has and can share with our children. And Lord, we pray that you'll keep us safe on the roads as we're traveling home. And if it's your will that we see a new day, uh, please put a lot of opportunities in our hands so that we can exercise our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jeremy.